What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian and Ozzy podcast. This is our 13th podcast, and we're going to be analyzing the big UFC 267 pay-per-view going down from Abu Dhabi. The UFC is back in Fight Island, back in the big cage, and there's a stacked 15-fight card, and we're going to be analyzing all 15 of those fights here shortly. I'm joined by my co-host, as always. What's up, Ozzy? How are we doing this week? Uh, You know, good. Uh, I'm happy to see a bunch of fights that aren't just a bunch of shitty fighters you know, that they're kind of putting together a lot of the matchups this week have a uh, divisional relevance and, you know, definitely uh, further along a lot of the, the winners on this side. So looking forward to it taking place. Um, and then, you know, just a bunch of uh, really, really good uh, cards, I feel, coming up uh, throughout uh, November and uh, December. Yeah, we're coming off the PFL Championships last night. Kind of an underwhelming card, a few good fights in there. And we're coming off of a very successful week for me last week. Uh, my second biggest night on Bet MMA ever, uh, 8.37 units with a 77% ROI. It was one of those cards where it seemed like just everything was going right. Even my kind of sketchy bets like Alex Caceres somehow ended up coming through and winning. Um, so it was a great uh, week for me. Um, Ozzy, how'd you do last week? Uh, just down just a little less than a unit just wasn't the card for me i didn't really have i i just think i didn't really have a good feel for it uh for some bets like i was going back and forth on random marcos all week and i was early on saying i wouldn't do it and i ended up betting her but at, at a worse number but that really should have been a bigger bet especially at those like plus 120 uh figures that there were uh out there earlier before but that was kind of like a in-between week and you know, not getting the win with Grand Austin just really put a damper on you know, the, the, the energy there. So uh, I'm focused on making money, though, and these cards upcoming. I think last week was you know, kind of mad all around. Yeah, I think I think it's only like your second out of 12 weeks losing and, you know, still up like well over 30 units on the Don't podcast. Don't do this for fun. So, yeah. Don't do this for fun. Um, and we'll probably have a bounce back this week because, you know, a lot of kind of wider lines on this car, but I still think there's some, some Fucking best Russia all over the place, man. Let's just get the cat out of the hat. Just yeah. Russians everywhere, all over this card. This is a, a bunch a of unknown guys that you guys barely know about and a bunch of sketchy guys all over the place too. So I think it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty good card, uh, top to bottom, uh, you know, working its way, uh, up, uh, along it as well. I agree. Uh, I feel like this card, you're going to have to look for some props on some of these matchups. So we'll be trying to point out some good props if these money lines are a little bit wide. But let's get right into these fights. 15 fights. We went through 14 in just about an hour last week, Ozzy. So let's try to, uh, you know, breeze through these. Um, and we're going to start things off in the flyweight division where we have Tagir Ulan Bekov as the heavy minus 370 favorite, taking on Alan Nascimento plus 305. Um, Nascimento did fight Julian Paiva on the contender series a few years back. Only one fight in the past three years, and there's no video footage available of that fight. So kind of got a question, you know, what Nascimento is going to look like. But going back and watching that Paiva fight, I didn't exactly love what I saw from him in that fight. He's a pretty wild and untechnical fighter. I saw him get hit a lot by Paiva. Paiva was boxing him up for the majority of that fight. And even though Tagir definitely struggles with leg kicks, um, we saw that in his last fight. He is still a skilled striker, skilled grappler, and I think he should be better than Nascimento on the feet and on the ground here. And I just think uh, Tiger is a little too polished everywhere. And unless some uh, crazy improvement from Nascimento over the past three years, I think Tiger should win the fight and, you know, 
win it pretty comfortably. So not exactly advising to, to lay that minus 370, but I do expect uh, Ulenbekov to cover uh, around minus 300 and win the fight pretty comfortably. So um, I'm not sure about finisher uh, finisher decision here. I think I might lean a little bit towards finish. Um, I don't know about you, Ozzy. What are your thoughts on this first fight? So Tagir, um, in that fight against Bruno Silva, it was a very good fight, especially later on. You know, Tagir uh, definitely slowed down a little bit. Bruno was able to get him, uh, get some takedowns on him, just get into top positions overall. But Tagir, you know, he throw he has a pretty long and good jab. He protects his chin uh, for the most part. Um, he moves he moves his feet pretty well. And the thing with Nascimento is he's kind of noodly in terms of like his grappling. You know, like he'll he'll go to his back, he'll like roll around, he'll try to go for leg locks uh sometimes as well. Um in this fight, I would say I'm looking more towards the over. You know, I know you're saying finish. I I I look over here just because I feel Tagger he'll stay behind his punches. Uh, if he gets top position, he will be pretty safe overall. Like, I don't think he's going to be trying to advance much position and put himself in uh, harm's way. And Nascimento's uh, pretty tough, I feel. I feel, you know, strike-wise, I don't think he'll be stunned easily or finish uh, really easy by submission. So I feel uh, there could be a hairy moment or two, but I would look over uh, in this fight. And, you know, possibly Nascimento, like, uh, I don't hate the stab at three to one. He's pretty competent. He has good hands. He'll come forward. Uh, and he, you know, has good cardio. I mean, he, he has shown okay conditioning overall. And uh, I think he could be effective here, potentially, if Tagir ends up uh, slowing down like in that last fight. Yeah, not a whole lot of butts, uh, you know, catching my eye for this one. You mentioned the over. I would say uh, Tagir knockout plus 750 is the one I'm uh, looking at with the most. But fun first fight to kick off the card. And that's going to bring us to another uh, fun fight bottom on the card. Uh, in the lightweight division, we have Damir Ismagulov minus 275 taking on Magomed Mustafa. <laughs> we got a Russia versus Russia fight going on. Well, technically Kazakhstan, but um, pretty fun fight here. What are your thoughts on this one, Ozzy? Uh, so it's a fight between two guys who, you know, the odds indicate it's, you know, Mir is a three to one favorite almost. Whereas Magomed Duffy came into the UFC with pretty good, uh, a good pedigree overall. He fought, you know, he fought Kevin Lee. He fought Brad Riddell. Um, he's a guy who's only fighting like once a year though. Uh, but his, his wrestling is really, really strong. Um, you know, once he gets his hands on you, like he's putting you on the ground. I don't know what his wrestling accolades uh, are or were in like uh, wherever he's coming from, but I know he beat uh, Beeb's cousin or what a brother. I don't know who who the guy was, but and I remember back then there was you know his this guy's uh, wrestling was hyped up. So you know this is another fight where I'm kind of looking over as well. The mirror, this guy just he just jabs, stays behind it. You know, if you give him some opportunities, he'll open up like he did against Alves, but he's not looking to finish you at all. This is the first guy he's ever fought where he probably does not have a wrestling advantage over. Um, I feel like those all his UFC opponents he had a wrestling advantage over. Um, you know, Alves just, you know, just super beta right away. And Magomed, as soon as he this guy gets his hands on you, he has a lot of ways that he could finish takedowns. So I don't know if he'll be able to hold Demir down for sure. 
but I would expect to see um, them grappling and at some point uh, Magomed being able to secure a takedown. And it's going to be about on the feet if he can get any range uh, offense going. But uh, I'd be looking at the over uh, in this fight for sure. Yeah, I kind of disagree with his wrestling. I definitely think the guy is like a strong, I mean, strong as an ox. I mean, you can see the way he did clasp with his hands around Riddell. Um, but when he got takedowns of Riddell, didn't do a whole lot with him, wasn't able to get Riddell like flat on the mat much throughout that fight. And when he's defensively wrestling, like the Kevin Lee fight, I mean, he was soundly out wrestled in that fight, just didn't pose much resistance to those takedowns. Um, and I think that is a bit of a, a concern here because he's Gulov, I would say he's going to be looking to get this fight to the floor. Um, Mustafa is just a crazy power athletic, uh, guy. So he's going to make this fight close with those big moments. I mean, he can land, you know, one strike like he did against Viziev and change the entire course of the fight. So I think an easy bet for this fight is going to be Mustafa. no scorecards at plus 150. I mean, I don't understand why that's plus money at all. Ismigulov doesn't seem interested in finishing in any capacity. So if Mustafa or if there's a finish in this fight, I do expect it to be a Mustafa of knockout. Um, so easy, no scorecard play there on Mustafa. That's a line I just saw as Ozzy was talking. Um, so I might end up tracking a bet on that, to be honest, but I do expect Ismagulov to kind of grind his way to a decision here. Um, but you saw in that Alves fight, his opponents can have big athletic moments where they may, possibly change the course of the fight. So um, don't love Mustafaev's recent activity, like you said, uh, over a year and a half layoff, but he does have the potential to make this fight close. So not a fight I would parlay. Definitely a fight I would say the value is on the dog. And if you like Gizmogulov, just play him by decision. I mean, that's a 90, 95% of his win condition is a decision. So I would take the decision at even money over his money line. That's going to bring us to the next fight, which is in the middleweight division. A bit of a short-notice replacement fight. We got the short-notice guy, Andrzej Prochowski, coming in at minus 220. Hu Yao Zong, plus 185 on the comeback. Uh, Petrosky, um, he has a Polish you know, name, but he is an American guy fighting the Chinese guy in Russia here. Um, or in Abu Dhabi, excuse me. Um, you start this one off, Ozzy. What are you thinking about this one? Probably the, the worst fight on the card, right? I don't got too much on this. I know, you know, uh, who hasn't fought in like three years, four years, long time. Um, Petrovsky has that jujitsu background. He He's going to want to close the distance um, and take this fight to the floor, probably shooting in on, on the double leg at some point. But you know, his his uh, cardio is v like really bad. Um, and I don't it, it's it's tough to trust him. Overall, if he's not uh, if he's not uh, getting those takedowns easily, um, but if he does get them, you know I think these Asian these Chinese fighters are uh, have shown a little bit that their ground game is definitely their weak point. Um, Petrovsky has some pretty good um, you know offensive you know chains and sequences. Once he does get it to the ground, that will be able to unleash between strikes and the submission, but. If he does not finish, I feel, within the first four minutes, I think that this guy could fold. You know, he's flying all the way out there to Abu Dhabi, where uh, it, it's just like a pretty foreign thing for him, I think. And uh, who has been getting ready for that Amadowski fight for a while now. So, you know, I, I'm a little dubious. I'm not playing Petrovsky, but he'd probably be the pick here to finish uh, inside the distance at some point. 
Yeah, I mean, good point about Petrovsky. I think this is his first fight outside the United States. I mean, most of his fights have taken place um, in Philadelphia, right around race from. Um, so definitely going to be a huge change in scenery, short notice fight. But you got to think that he probably watched some tape on who and accepted the matchup based on the fact that he thought it favored him. And if you watch the Ciro Asker fight, um, you know, you do see that who is a pretty bad grappler was taken down gave up his back and, you know, was just soundly out grappled by Cyril Asker, who is, you know, a below average uh, heavyweight, um, but who has dropped down a lot of weight. He's gotten more serious about training. You saw some improvements in the uh, Rashad Coulter fight from him. And I do think he's going to be the better distance striker than Petrosky here. Petrosky's got that southpaw striking, not really a lot, a whole lot of skill in his boxing that I see. Michael Gilmore was even having some success against him. So Petrosky's definitely going to be wanting to get this fight to the floor. And he has a really good chance of hitting those takedowns. So if you like who here, I would recommend either taking him by knockout or just waiting to live bet him because there's a good chance that one takedown from Petrosky wins him the entire round, possibly even gets him the submission off the rip. And I did think we saw a slight improvement in Petrosky's gas tank last fight. He did hit takedowns and get dominant positions in all three rounds versus Gilmore and still had enough energy to finish in round three. So slight improvement from Petrosky, but I'm still very skeptical, skeptical about the guy. And I would probably advise taking submission rather than uh, his money line. So um, that's going to do it for that fight. And it's going to move us on to uh, the next fight, which takes place in the featherweight division, we have another kind of short notice re replacement fight. Lerone Murphy, minus 300, taking on Makwan Amir Khani, plus 250. Makwan was supposed to be fighting a fellow grappler, Tristan Connolly, and gets a pretty much completely opposite matchup uh, in Lerone Murphy here. And I'll start this one off. And I see some people, you know, putting some faith in Amir Khani, but I really do not see it. I think that uh, uh, Leroy Murphy does have the defensive grappling skills to stifle off any of those takedown attempts. And even if Amir Khani is getting takedowns in top position, I don't think the guy has a very traditionally good top position game. Like he's not a good, you know, guard passer or, or guy who keeps top control and he gets submissions. He's more of a guy who snatches submissions and transitions and scrambles. And, you know, there's a very small chance that happens here, in my opinion. Murphy's a pretty safe defensive grappler. He doesn't try to do too much. And in Makwan's last fight, he was fighting a short-notice replacement, Kemwella Kirk, making his UFC debut. And even though Makwan got a few takedowns throughout that fight, he wasn't able to do anything with those takedowns. He was actually locked in a deep triangle armbar at one point. And I just think that he wasn't really able to get anything going. And Makwan's a guy who notoriously slows as the fight goes on he's not a good striker he's a pretty one-dimensional grappler and i think murphy is going to be prepared for that one dimension he's going to be able to stuff the takedowns he's going to be landing all the distance strikes he's going to be landing most of the damage in this fight and i favor murphy pretty heavily here so i don't think there's any value on makwan if you want to take makwan just take him by sub i don't think there's any other way he can win the fight so i think murphy is gonna you know cruise to a decision victory here 30 27 i doubt a knockout happens makwan's pretty tough um but uh murphy decision is the pick yeah um <clears throat> so this is a fight i think i forget who who was leron murphy he was supposed to fight someone else i forget no who. no it was, it was makwan who was supposed to fight uh tristan Connolly. There you go. But Murphy had a fight schedule before on that uh, <clears throat> Darren Till card, I feel. Um, Charles Jordan. There you go. So, got a guy here who's more of a grappler. Um, I think you, you see in that uh, fight against Douglas uh, Silva that, you know, what Lauren Murphy does, like he's 
a guy who's going to be a solid grappler who was going to be able to uh, outposition you due to some of his physical attributes, uh, you know, when he does get in trouble at times. And then when he's on the feet, you know, he's he's got a lot of speed and he throws with, uh, you know, all of his weapons pretty well. Um, so in th this is a fight, though, I, I would say um, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, kind of close because if Amir Khani is able to to back um, Murphy uh, up a little bit, I do think that if he gets in on his legs, he'll be able to potentially finish some takedowns. But I definitely do favor Murphy. I think he has better cardio. He has better shot selection on the feet. And this is like a theme that I, I, I feel I'm going to with the card overall. I'm kind of looking at the over in this fight as well. It's not very juice. It's only a minus 110, minus 120. And... Um, you know, for Amir Khani, for all his faults, he is still pretty, uh, you know, he'll stay in the fight for the most part. He'll, you know, try to maintain his stance and, you know, on the feet if he's getting bombed on and, you know, he'll squirm around, he'll shoot for takedowns. You know, he, he stayed alive against uh, Barboza after he was hurt on a few occasions. And Murphy, you know, going into the decision bet that you, or the pick that you made, uh, it it's kind of like still developing too a little bit with his striking. And because this is going to be a Southpaw orthodox matchup as well, I, I don't think Murphy ever fights a Southpaw. I think that uh, it has potential to be a little bit slower, uh, slower going uh, to lean towards the over at not big juice. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, Murphy landed 48 SIG strikes in his last fight over uh, Andrade over 15 minutes. So he's not exactly like a super high output guy. And his one knockout in the UFC against Ramos was kind of weird. You know, Ramos kind of just wilted pretty heavily there. So uh, I, I agree with the pick there uh, on the over. <clears throat> so that's going to take us to the next fight, which is in the light heavyweight division. We have long layoff Shamil Gamzatov coming back minus 121 fighting McCall Olachichuk plus 101. Um, your turn to start the fight off here. So what do you think about this light heavyweight fight? Um. You know, it's a fight here between guys that are, I think Gazmatov is still kind of young, but, um, you know, Gazmatov had that one fight against Abreu, which did not look impressive in the slightest bit. Like, he didn't really do anything there to convince you that he will, you know, has any elite, like, skill that is going to push him through and through the UFC, while Mikel, you know, he's a pretty good boxer. He'll go to the head and to the body. Uh, he's got a good left straight, good left uppercut. And, uh, you know, he, he'll, I don't know about his gas tank, but he'll definitely come after you hard in that first round. So you have to respect that. And that's why I think the line for sure has been coming in so much uh, to his side, just because Gaznatov, like, is he going to take him, take uh, Mikhail down? If it's no, which I would lean towards, I guess. Um, I think uh, Mikhail has a pretty nice advantage on the feet. Um, you know, Gaznatov, you just this guy's going to decisions with like so many guys that you put him in here against a guy like Mikhail, who if he could get you out of the fight, he'll get you out of there quickly. I think that he probably should be favored, and that's why you see the line going into his side so much. Um, just with the volume overall and the question marks around Gaznatov, I would say that, uh, yeah, Mikel's a pick for me and, you know, any plus money is probably good. I'll come in on the other side here, even with Gamsatov with the layoff, two years, no fights. 
and you know only a pretty limited amount of footage on the guy out there i'll be siding with him here um i just think mccall is so underwhelming you know he's a southpaw boxer mostly keeps the the offense to to his hands um you know uh modestus bukakis is a guy who's kind of notoriously struggled with leg kicks and Old Chachuk didn't attack that at all in that fight and had an extremely close decision uh, win over Bukakis in that fight. And a lot of people thought uh, Bukakis deserved to win that decision. So if Bukakis wins, wins that decision, this line could be looking a lot different here. And I do understand the angle of uh, Ola Chachuk starting fast, and he probably does look value in round one, but uh, especially with Gamzadov coming off the layoff. But as the fight goes, the full 15 minutes with the cardio issues of uh, McCall and the grappling deficiency that he constantly has, I'll be siding with Gamzatov here. Uh, I think the striking exchanges will be close. They probably slightly favor McCall, but um, I think if Gamzatov... Slightly? Yeah, slightly. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean... I think we're going to see some improvements from Gamsatov too. I mean, it's kind of a bold assumption, but uh, I think... Gamsatov went to the decision with Eddie Gordon, bro. Yeah, but he uh, he did take Eddie Gordon down in that fight. Um, and that guy's a truck, you know, literal, the literal uh, original truck on top. Um, exactly. So, yeah, I'll go Gamsatov decision here. So we'll disagree on this one. We'll come back next week and see who won this high-level affair. Um, it's kind of funny, though. Gamsov's 14-0, and he's still – the odds are kind of close here, you know? So the market's – What does that tell Olek. you? The market's like an Olek. But I don't understand why because he's terrible. Um, yeah. so he would have killed Rex, Rex Harris, I'll tell you that much. Hopefully uh, hopefully Gamsov wrestles. Um, all right, that's going to move us on. Next fight taking place in the welterweight division. Kind of a head-scratcher fight here. We got uh, Zaleski Dos Santos, minus 235. And Benoit Saint-Denis is making his UFC debut, plus 200. I don't speak French, but the guy's name, Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, you can call him whatever you want. Um, you can start off this breakdown, Ozzy. What are you thinking here? Um, you know, Zaleski's been a fighter who, I don't know how many UFC fights he has, but he's gone on a pretty good runs overall. Um, <clears throat> the times that he loses, like, thought he, I think he was winning that fight against Shin Liang, and I can't believe he didn't get the decision in his last fight. It was just crazy. I don't know anything about this St. Dennis dude. I, like, looked him up a lot. Like, I tried to find some videos. It looked like he was training with a Vulcan. I don't know what the connection is there, but no idea who this dude is. I'm hearing some people say he's, like, special forces. Like, he's, like, some fucking ninja. I don't know, man. I try to look at some of his fights. He looks okay, but he, he feels to me like a guy who is kind of overconfident in his abilities overall. Like he just has that kind of uh, demeanor and energy where I'm looking. I mean, it, he he's okay on the ground. He has some skills, but like I saw the fight that he fought at Brave FC against this Ivica something guy. This guy's from like Croatia. He's 39 and 35. And they were playing like footsies or like, you know, they were grappling. They were like getting out of a lot of each other's uh, grappling techniques. But this guy's lost like all, like half his fights by submission. It was like clear jobber that they were giving him. And he, it looked like he kind of struggled there with him. So that's a red flag for me. I like, uh, <laughs> I like Zaleski here. But uh, I don't know if I could bet him at this inflated price. But early on, I mean, I, this guy looks like a fraud to me. So... 
Totally. I think Zaleski Zaleski fucks him up. Well, here's the first red flag. The guy's a judo black belt. Whenever you hear that being touted, that's just not a good sign right off the rip. And yeah, I'm seeing a lot of sloppy judo throws. He gets the fight into the clinch, has some weak wrestling, and then attempts some half-assed throw, usually ending on bottom or something like that. I don't even think he's good on top when he gets on top. So uh, I, I really don't understand where they found this guy. Uh, I guess somebody brought up that you know he has he's fought in Brave before, and they might have just you know got this guy because he's in Brave and can fight in the area. Uh, but Zaleski should style on him pretty hard he, here. He cool with the sheiks over there. Sheiks yeah. are looking out for him. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, you know, I think he's got some connections with uh, the uh, dictator of Oman. Uh, you know that country, Oman. Yeah. Um, all right, so Zaleski's probably just gonna beat this guy up pretty badly. Um, can you can you reset your mic real quick? We're getting a little echo, and uh, that's gonna bring us on to the next fight. Um, I, I think Zaleski's got a good chance to finish, honestly, and he probably looks wider than minus two thirty five. If the, if he doesn't, yeah, if he doesn't finish him straight up, I feel this guy's gonna get tired. And he's just gonna finish him from, you know, just you know, just wilting late, late on in the fight. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's never won a never won a decision, never fought anybody good. Um, good chance that Zaleski takes over and maybe stab at those round two, round three props for Zaleski. Um, that's gonna move us on next fight. Um, middleweight division, Albert Duraev making his UFC debut as the minus 360 favorite. Roman Kopilov coming off a two-year layoff as the plus 295 dog. I'll start this one off, and Duraev looked pretty solid on his last contender series fight. Um, he's coming off a three-year layoff in that fight. Maybe looked a little bit rusty, a bit choppy on the feet, but uh, obviously got the takedown pretty quickly in that one, and then just you know, looked incredible on top, had kind of a similar suffocating top game to uh, Chimaev where he's grabbing the wrist, he's smashing with ground to pound, he's, he can float very well from position to position, and he fought uh, Strauss in one of his fights, a uh, five-round fight over in Russia, and you really can see uh, that he can float really well from, uh, from position to position, keep top position, and the guy looks, you know, great on top um his striking also looked pretty good in that fight as well we haven't seen his striking um in over three years um so he might look a little bit uh, rusty and choppy like he did in the contender series kopilov might have some early success in the striking but um kopilov was taken down gave up his back and got rear naked shook by carl roberson of all people and he was you know losing that fight pretty handedly before that moment too so i feel like duraev should probably get one takedown and likely either finish kopilov or just do so much damage with that ground to pound that Kopilov is, you know, permanently disabled for the rest of the fight. So Duraev should, you know, just hit easy takedowns and and, and smash here. Um, and Duraev looks like a pretty legit prospect. So hopefully they get this guy back in the cage soon. Um, what are your thoughts here? You remember you remember Kopilov from two years ago? Yeah, I remember him. Uh, I remember him pretty well. But Duraev, this guy's man, he's fucking scary, man. These guys from uh, Dagestan or Russia, wherever they want to. You know be uh, titled as those guys this guys are scary man like when when the guy can take you down and be that aggressive as he looked on contender i didn't think he was going to smash that guy that badly after watching his tape like it look it looks like his striking he takes his time a little bit but the overall you know he he stays in the stance pretty well uh looks like he has a decent chin he's strong he's pretty strong so i laid that juice early on like minus like 240 250 235 i think as well um i think hobby i think is how you pronounce it is uh 
you know, southpaw, long striker, but you know, a few of his finishes have come in later rounds. He's pretty he's he's like just too patient overall. When he backs up, he kind of leaves his lead leg out there a little bit. So I wouldn't be surprised at seeing like a like a jab cross and then you know with that right hand or, or even the left hand he scoops up a single leg uh uh that's albert right yeah albert durayev uh does and then once he has this guy on the ground i, I feel he's gonna be able to tie up his legs pretty well get to a dominant position and just absolutely maul him so uh i got durayev here in a big big way uh and i think he should i mean i don't think Hobilov is or holman roman I don't think this guy's UFC. Like maybe I guess it, it's always weird. Like the Russians, they pick to fucking bring over. Man, I don't get it. I think he's. I think they want to. I think they're trying to extinguish Roman though with Ryev. Um, that's what I think. Uh, McMaynard's trying to do. I think Kobylov coming off the sauce looked, you know, pretty good uh, in his fights before the UFC. You know, winning some five round fights and then just looked terrible against Roberson in all facets. Um. That's going to bring us on to the next fight. We're down seven fights in 30 minutes. Um, so eight fights left. That's fucking crazy. There's 15 fights in this card. Next fight, featherweight division. Zubaira Tohugov as the slight minus 160 favorite. Ricardo Hamo is coming back plus 140. Um, I think this has the makings for a pretty bad fight. I don't know why. I just feel, or I know why. I just feel like these guys, the way they match up, it's going to be a bad fight. I mean, most of Zubaira's fights are pretty bad, but. This particularly has all the potential. Um, you want to start this off? That's the spirit. No, you know, please tell oh, keep us. Going, keep going. Keep yeah, going. Please um, tell us. <laughs> well, Why well, this fight is going to be so boring? Well, Zubaira passed three decisions that he went to. Uh, he was credited with 35, 28, 22 strikes. So the guy is not exactly landing a whole lot of strikes. Um, and he's kind of a lay and pray artist. You know, he, he gets takedowns. And he, I really think it comes from like an energy conservation point. I tweeted this out earlier, but the guy is a huge 145er, had really trouble making the weight last fight, actually missed weight by four pounds versus Dawadu. And I feel like this guy's, his entire fighting style is revolved around conserving energy and just using as little energy as possible. Um, and, you know, sometimes he can wing some punches on the feet and they do damage like we saw in the, the Aguilar fight. He's definitely the harder hitter than Ramos. Um, Ramos doesn't hit hard at all. I mean, this guy's punches just look extremely weak. Um, his calf <laughs> kicks are probably his best strike. And I just feel Ramos's entire game is hitting, you know, trip takedowns, maybe getting a, a back take, getting a body lock or something. And I just feel Zubair is going to be too strong and, and experienced in those positions to let Ramos get anything significant. Um, but the fact that Zubaira is so low output and just so underwhelming. I think this fight ha could be a close split decision type of fight just based on uh, Zubaira's style. I mean, his past four decisions have all been split decisions, one split decision win, two split losses, and one split draw. So this guy is just classically in, in close razor-thin fights, and the judges don't really know what to think of him. Um, and the last time he fought in Abu Dhabi, uh, he was awarded a draw in a fight that you could have said he won. So it doesn't seem like he really has any uh, bias or favoritism with these Abu Dhabi judges either. So I'll pick Zubaira decision, but like I said, split decision is really on the table for either guy here. Yeah, so isn't that the best bet of the fight you said? Best bet, plus 400, available on DraftKings. Uh, the homie Danny Lags tweeted it out earlier. It, it's, it's winning, you know. I don't know who's winning this split decision, but one of them is. You heard it here first, guys. Plus four hundred by by decision. Split decision. What is it? A split or majority. 
collab play by the Martian and uh, collab play. Dan Danny likes okay. So, um, you know this fight. I don't know about being the most boring, but I hate it. I hate the fight because <laughs> you know how uh, this guy Johnny John Martian was describing the fight. It's very accurate in the fact that. Thanks. You know, Ramos, he's like a gimmick artist, man. Like, you know, like you said, he doesn't really look to land like very heavy strikes. He's looking to pick at you, you know, at, in all facets. You know, he th- he's the kind of guy spin who he's, th- he's throwing stupid spin kicks. He's throwing that like, um, you know, back heel calf kick. Like, the hell is that? Dumbest strike like, in MMA. Dumbest strike in MMA. So, just so dumb and stupid. Um, and then you got Zubairo who. The only punch he ever throws is like a counter left hook, and it's like if he's flailing at you because he's trying to get you know make contact in some way, you know, so he could wrestle. Um, so this is another fight where I'm looking at the over man because uh, Ramos, excuse me, uh, he got put out by uh, Murphy, but Murphy's you know pretty pretty big, I think he hits way harder than uh, Tahugov, and Tahugov, you know. This is the thing when when we were training when I was training for my fights and you'd uh, be you know grappling or doing MMA grappling you know you make it apparent uh, to the guys you're training you're training you're telling you know a, a tip is like either we're holding the guy or we're hitting the guy right if if uh, if you're in a grappling situation so if the guy is making you uh, is hitting you he's not really holding you so you should be able to get up that's why guys like Khabib and these guys that are able to tie you up with their legs that's why it's such a big uh, a big thing because you know they can still slow you down but Zubaira he's never looking to hit you so he's always looking to keep these uh, clinch positions you know for for longer so I think him killing the clock like that Ramos you know being in the bigger cage which he hasn't been in his like last two fights I think or at least the last last fight against Algio. He's going to dance around. He's in a jab. Uh, I think this Tuhugov probably doesn't get him down right away with his first initial takedowns. And I feel like this fight goes later on. And I'm not trying to pick a side too much. But I would say that Ramos, like, if he could get away from, from some of the gimmicks, um, you know, look to reverse and, you know, fight hard early on and really tire Tuhugov out, you know, he should be able to land calf kicks on this guy. He should be able to land his jab because he's pretty quick overall and, and look for the counters. But I, I can't trust the guy, but I, I can't trust him to make a fight close. Uh, so that's why I'll side with the over. I'm um, looking at some more DraftKings props here. The decision only for Ramos is plus 150. So if he gets finished, you get your money back. And if it goes a decision, you're getting better than money line price at plus 150. Um, but yeah, I think the over is going to gonna hit here. That's probably the right side to be on. Um, and it's going to be a split decision fight for sure. So next fight, last prelim, actually the only female fight on the card, and it's a very good fight. We have Amanda Hibas as the minus 153 favorite. Verna Jane Dradoba plus 133. Uh, I'm a big fan of Virna myself, and uh, you can start this one off though, Ozzy. What are your thoughts here? Um, so two girls, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. Excuse me, two girls, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts. Um, you know, Hebas is coming back. Um, you know, and and matching, and matching up here. Sorry, I think I had a little mic issue there. Uh, Hebas here is coming up, matching up against a girl who, for the first time, I think, has a. Uh, the wrestling capability to actually take her down to the mat, yeah. you know, and, you know, in her, in, in a lot of her other fights, it was more so like, you know, she was in control. 
of of the wrestling domain or you know the uh the other girl didn't want really want to take it to the ground um so you know jen shidoba here she's just such a committed grappler that you know you you kind of really want to bet to play her as an underdog um it's been one year since he uh had that ko loss uh over here so you know or not one year excuse me like 10 months but that fight it kind of just showed that she you know if she's not the the more dominant like big bigger you know athlete in there you know some of her game gets a little bit bogged down i think against Paige, against randa you know you you saw that she was not only way better uh athletically but just you know skill wise as well but when either of those sides arose where you uh you see she's not as dominant of a athlete over rodriguez and she's not as clean of a striker i think she should get she could get caught up to um she hasn't been at att i i, I think uh for this camp either and janji doba like this girl she just go is a killer on the mat i do think she, she will have the grappling advantage whether she is on her feet or on the on uh, or uh, whether she is on top or on bottom but i do know some sharp uh people that are on uh he boss here so i think i'll side with he boss here but um i'm considering betting uh janji doba especially if this goes like you know like plus 150 or so because i do think that she will be able to get some uh, grappling success going yeah it took a little bit of plus 45 and i might look to add honestly depending on where this line goes um you know you hit a lot of the the points on the head here and rebos just hasn't fought a girl who's you know gonna try to consistently take her down before we saw marcos take her down and get some brief top time we saw emily whitmire reverse position and get on top for about 90 seconds there versus rebos and I think it's pretty clear that Jane Rodoba is a better top position and a better bottom grappler. I think when Jane Rodoba gets on bottom, she's, you know, looking to sweep, looking to reverse. And you saw Randa Marcos looking for some of those sweeps as well. She is always looking for those half guard sweeps and looking to get the fight back up to the floor. And I just don't think the Reboss really does a whole lot with her top position. The women that she submitted, Whitmire and Van Zant, you know, come on. Um, Hannah Goldie uh, easily submitted. Uh, yes, she did. Emily yes, Whitmire. She did. Um, so, Jane Doba is just, uh, you know, the better overall grappler here. I think she's got the, the bigger takedown arsenal. And if if either woman ends up on their back here, I just trust Jane Doba a lot more to get at, get off her back, maybe attack even with an armbar off her back like we saw in the Murata fight. Um, and I think I think Jane Doba is kind of steadily improving. You know, she's actually making noticeable improvements uh, since her UFC career started. I don't know. I think Rebos is kind of stuck in the mud a little bit. I mean, it's crazy how hyped she was going into that Marina fight. She was minus 300. She wins round one. And in one punch, the entire hype train got derailed. Um, but, you know, that's got to be concerning. A one punch knockout in women's MMA. I know Herb Dean fucked up the stoppage and it was kind of a weird sequence there. But I mean, it was one punch that sent Rebos pretty much out. And uh, that's just irregular i mean marina rodriguez has beat up a lot of women on the feet before and none of them reacted like that um maria Oliveira from last week didn't even react that badly um so 
I think Rebos's striking defense is no good. She's definitely the better offensive striker. Like she's going to be winning the striking exchanges here, but it's not like she's some proven high output machine who can outstrike you for 15 minutes straight. And I think this fight is going to have a lot of grappling and I'm going to be siding with the better grappler in Jane Doba to win. So I'll take Jane Doba by decision. I'll take her money line for a bit. Like I said, small on her so far, a plus 145. And I might look to add a little bit more if it goes up to 150, like you said. Um, so that's going to do it for the prelims, 10 prelims down. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. Nine prelims down six fight main card. We got a big main card and, uh, we're just going to keep it moving. Ozzy, we got done that in about 40 minutes, six fights left. Um, and we're going to start things off in the light heavyweight division. Magomed Ankalaev as the minus 276 favorite Volkan Ozdemir plus 216. And uh, I'll start this one off by saying uh, I've been kind of going back and forth on it all week on this one. Um, I, I initially thought that Ozdemir could, you know, use his aggression, his athleticism, maybe even a little bit of wrestling to make the fight close. But rewatching that uh, Prochaska fight uh, with Ozdemir, I just felt his boxing looked a little slow and telegraphed in that fight. Um, you know, eventually Jerry was able to find and land the harder shots. Uh, and I just think that in the boxing exchanges, Ankalaev is so much cleaner. He's going to be landing counter shots. And if these guys are boxing for for prolonged amount of time, I think Ankalaev is going to start countering him hard and hurting him. And I think what a lot of people are relying on uh, in this fight, you know, I see a lot of people taking the Ozdemir side as the dog. They're, th- they're, they're looking at Krylov and the success that Krylov had. But Krylov is a way better kicker than Ozdemir, first of all. He, you know, throws body kicks and disguises his punches behind that a little bit, which gave Ankalaev trouble. And I just think he's a more athletic fighter as well, probably a better overall grappler than Ozdemir. And that's why he was able to have some brief success. But Ankalaev also won a pretty clear round two and three from Krylov there. So, sure, Krylov had some initial success in round one. But I don't see Ozdemir having a lot of that similar success. I think he's just a little slow and plodding on the feet for me. Um, Ozdemir's calf kick, one of his best weapons, won't necessarily be there for this fight because he's facing a southpaw. And um, I'm not just really high on Ozdemir right now. I think the guy's whole career has kind of been a little inflated by you know those quick early knockouts that he's gotten. And I think Ankalaev is going to piece him up as this fight goes. I'm only really stuck between decision and knockout. Um, I'll go with decision for now for Ankalaev, uh, but as the fight gets closer, I'm growing more and more confident in, in Ankalaev. So uh, interested to hear your thoughts on this one here, Ozzy. Listen, Ankalaev's in the kills, Amir. Like, there's, like anyone betting Ozamir, you know, they're hoping that I guess he can he lands like a counter shot. But if Ankalaev wants to take him down and just you know do whatever he wants, him, yeah, yeah, out grapple him at any point and, and slow him down, like he should be able to do so. Um, and it, before, if it was before the Krilo- his last fight against Krilov, I could see why you would be hesitant a little bit because, you know, you haven't really seen him use takedowns. But you saw him get takedowns there in the Krilov fight. So I think he's going to wipe the floor with Ozemir overall. I think Ozemir, like you said, you know, he has some – he's got heavy hands for sure. But, you know, he he, he leaves himself pretty open also as well when he's throwing he, these uh these punches uh ankalaev i think has 
does he have a site? No, they have the same reach. But Ankaliev, he's because he's in that southpaw stance, he's always like a little bit further back. He'll, he'll like weave shots going backwards and come back in with his own counters. And I feel like, like I said, if at any point he's able to get Ozemir down, Ozemir's in, you know, big amounts of trouble. So not for me, this Ozemir stab at, you know, I, I mean, it's coming down. And, you know, I don't like laying big juice on, like, these, like, uh, heavier weight fights, excuse me, but 270, 276, it's looking, looking kind of attractive for that boy Ankh, the dark horse. Yep, so we're, dark in, horse we're pretty good, a dark pretty good horse. agreement here. So you think a knockout or decision? I mean, Ozemir's a tough bastard. I'm like, I'm liking that over one and a half. Interesting. That a little bit. Um, that a little bit. You don't. Th you don't think so? I don't know. I uh, you know it's one and a half. I feel like Ozemir, he could get good. crushed though with some punches for sure, right on the nose. I mean, you know? that knockout of Jiri is just hilarious. Like the punch literally sends Ozemir off his feet. Like he goes, he he goes several inches off the ground up into the air before he he falls. And you believe people watch that fight and then thought that Dominic Reyes is going to be Yuri Prohashka? It's insane. Yeah. It's always gonna be some kind of edge, you know. You know, you don't know how big it's gonna be forever. But man, oh man. And Dominic Reyes brought in Nick. What's that guy's name? That he's oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, he got demolished name? and he got demolished in PFL, like the Rogash. Rogash. Ronick. He brought him <laughs> in to mimic uh Jan Jan for his yeah. title fight. Like as soon as I knew that, I was out on that Dominic Reyes guy. But look, now he's making He's trying to protect what he still has, you know. You heard him in that interview. Yeah, I wonder so. what I wonder what he's going to be up to. Um, but that's enough about Dominic Reyes. That guy's a loser. We're going to move oh, on. Jesus to... Christ, we're never going to get a fighter on here. That, that's not the that's not the objective. Um, Yikes. We, we've made, we've made good money betting against that guy a few times that's, in a row that's now. So pretty mean. You, um, you welterweight division. They don't pick the, a man while he's down. Taking a you the return. Return of Kamzat Chemaev minus six fifty taken on the leech, the real leech, not Damon Jackson, plus four twenty five. Um, you can start this one off. Are you I, gonna I, support this leech? You gonna support this? I support no, my no. leech. No, I can't support. Yeah, the American leech we can go with. Um, you know he is the best fi fighter to ever come out of China, but uh, this matchup is just yeah, so no leeches. Better. You know we got a lot of leeches around. Like I don't know when leech being called a leech. Like when you wanted that to be your nickname, I don't know, weird. But uh, you know, Jing Liang, Jing Liang, Jin Liang. Um, you know, he's had a bunch of UFC fights, but it's always like it, it, it's always you know one like on his home turf. Two, like there's some controversy, like when he was eye gouging Jake Matthews. Like you know, I think he's only in top in the top fifteen because G, G Emperor G requires it from Dana. Uh, for there to be one ranked uh, UFC male, um, because is you know the Ponzinibbio fight like those Ponzinibbio for like a crazy layoff. Um, in this fight against Shemaev, thing is Lee like Lee he's uh, spry enough that he has like decent reflexes, but and the thing is like here Shemaev could be in danger later in the fight if he doesn't finish because. Lee does have pretty good cardio. He does throw some pretty solid body shots overall. But I don't think his this guy's grappling is anywhere near the level that it would need to be to survive uh, on the ground with Shemaev. So I think Shemaev gets him on the ground uh, and rear, <clears throat> rear naked chokes him, 
within the first six minutes of this fight. Um, you know, maybe lands a, pr- a few pr- pretty big punches, but eventually just gets him against the fence, scoops up a double leg, you know, slams him in the middle of the, the octagon, rides him for a little bit, and then at some point, uh, Renick chokes him. Nice. You taking any of that uh, Chamayev submission line oh, at all? No, no, no. Yeah, I took I took some Chamayev submission plus 380 here, and it's already down to like plus 260. So uh, I agree with the submission there. It's really just a matter of Chamayev submission or knockout. And Leach is so tough that I think that he can, you know, take a lot of shots, like kind of like Rice McKee did. Uh, oh, no, I think he actually got TKO'd. Um, but like, I think that that Jing Liang will eventually like, kind of give up his neck after eating just like a thousand punches to the face on the ground. Um, there, we still have a lot of questions about Shemaev, you know, year long layoff. He's going back and forth between welterweight and middleweight. Hasn't really fought anybody in the top 15 yet. So there are still a lot of questions about him, especially coming off the COVID scare, but I just don't think this matchup is going to be the one to answer them. Um, but you know, I said that last week about, uh, Ricky Glenn too. And, you know, questions were answered there. So questions um, will not be answered in this one. You don't think? No, I don't think so. I mean, no credit for beating the Chinese guy. Jing Liang plus 750, uh, KO is the way to play him or, or wait, wait till I bet him. We'll be Chimaev's next fight after this. You think? Good question. I mean, if the guy wants to. I think he should be 185 personally. You know, you got to look at the champion in Adesanya being a much easier matchup for Chimaev than than Usman. Um, ho- and, you know, I guess he's staying at 185. N- Neil Magny, let's get him in there with Neil Magny. That that would be fun. Um, that's enough of that fight though. Uh, heavyweight fight next. Uh, Alexander Volkov as the minus 280 favorite. Marchin Tabura plus 240. Tabura coming in on a five fight win streak. Uh, possibly the longest, maybe tied for longest in the heavyweight division, yet still a considerable underdog to Volkov here. Um, just shows how bad the matchup is. I'll just keep going with this one. Volkov, you know, is going to emphatically win the striking exchanges here. Tabura is just too slow and hittable at range. He struggled with at range versus Greg Hardy pretty badly. So, you know, you got to think that Volkov's going to, you know, outstrike him pretty badly. And Volkov with this new weight, uh, as Ozzy said, with the new back tat, I feel like, you know, he's kind of a, a new fighter. You saw him really sit down on his punches um, and his kicks versus Walt Harris finishing him, finishing Alistair Overeem in the second round. And, you know, it might be a little bit of a stupid comparison, but like just look at both these guys' fights against Greg Hardy and against Walt Harris. Um, Volkov not in any trouble at any point in either matchup, just cruising to outstrike them. While Tabura, you know, had his little bit of difficulty with both guys before eventually overcoming it, getting the fight to the floor and finishing them on the map. But if Tabura can't get this fight to the floor, uh, it's going to go really bad for, badly for him. He's probably going to get knocked out if he can't get those takedowns. But Volkov is a pretty good defensive grappler. He can be initially taken down, but the guy does two things really well on the mat. One is, you know, he's got a, a good base, so he stays on his knees, he stays against the cage, and he kind of just, you know, lets you ride him against the cage, sort of like Curtis Blades did. Or if you are able to get him flat on the mat with his shoulders on the mat, like Verdum did, he's got a great guard that he can just lock guys up and kind of neutralize them there. So even if Tabur gets takedowns, I don't think he's going to get very dominant positions uh, on Tabura like he was able to on Greg Hardy and Walt Harris, who are just the worst grapplers ever. Um, so it's really a matter between Volkov knockout or decision. I'm leaning a bit towards knockout here, plus 150 on Fando right now. Honestly, considering a play on that, I just feel like. 
Um, Tabura is going to get stuck at range here and he's going to get hit real hard. Um, Tabura or Volkov targets the body head, you know, does it all. So I'll go Volkov knockout round two here. What are you thinking? Listen, you know, Tabura is my fucking boy and I've been riding him this whole win streak. I think he's like on a five fight win streak. I've been riding this fella uh, since I saw that he was a, you know, especially when I saw he was like an underdog to Max Grisham. I was like, get out of here. Uh, so you've been riding the Tybura. This guy's skilled, man. He's got uh, pretty good hands. He's got uh, better kicks than you would think from a guy like him. You know, he could go up top to the head. Um, his wrestling is, like, not dynamic. But, like, you know, if he can lock his hands, he, he is a de- – I think he's a decent athlete for heavyweight. I've always liked him a little bit more. And Volkov, he's a guy who I feel I've always been a little bit off on. Um, you know, like – I think recently he definitely has, you know, gotten better, I guess. But I still think that at minus 300 against Tybura, I, th- I think Tybura is better than that, you know, to 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 line them that wide. So I'm going to side with Tybura uh, because I think that his chin, I mean, he, he did get stunned in his last few fights, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I don't know, man. I, I, I guess I feel that... Uh, Volkov probably has enough power to bother him. I feel that if Tybura could dirty this fight up, push him back a little bit, uh, but uh, Volkov does have a decent clinch. I don't know, man. This is a fight. When where you say I... siding with him, you're talking about actually. You're not talking about actually picking him. Maybe just like a uh, in terms of a bet. Maybe. Uh, I kind of like Tybura, bro. Like if Tybura is in the fight, I think he could definitely win. Um. You know, look, real quick, last number. last week I said Alex Caceres, you know, four fight win streak, not the greatest competition, but still he's on, he's got a momentum, he's got win streak, and he's plus two fifty underdog. He was able to pull it off. Um, you know, it's kind of be going to be really a kind of dynamic. I don't think, I don't really think that Volkov will knock him out though. So fuck it, I'm going with the over again, over two and a half. That's the play lock of the week. Lock it up. There you go. All right, moving on to. Very fun fight, lightweight division, kind of a short notice fight thrown together here. Islam Mahachev was supposed to be fighting RDA. Daniel Hooker jumps in. We got Islam minus 700, Dan Hooker plus 450. Um, you know, Hooker's got balls of steel, you know, jumping into one of the most uh, probably terrifying matchups in the division. And, you know, he's just jumping right in saying, you know, give it, give it to me. So you got to admire Dan Hooker here. Um, but you also kind of got to not like his chances to win. You start this one off, Ozzy. Um, yeah, so Hooker's like, fuck it, let's get it over with. Let's just do this thing. Um, he's 21 and 10, has not really fought guys who were looking to grapple him very much, um, you know, at all. And the thing with, you know, fighting Islam is he's just such a strong guy in the clinch and inside. Like, even if you are not letting him get, into, get in on your legs that much, um, this guy, he's able to, you know, kind of bring his takedowns up to the clinch and then be able to finish like with uh, like emphatically, like with power uh, once he does get these takedowns in the clinch. You know, a lot of times like people who have clinch takedowns will like, you know, trip you down a little bit, you know, and then you're able to pop back up to your base pretty quickly. That doesn't really happen with Islam. Um, and Hooker did look a lot better, his grappling against Nasrat, but I would tell you not for that not to fool you because Nasrat is just an. I mean, he, I, I want to be nice here, but he just looked terrible on the mat. He looked like he, like he didn't know that grappling was allowed, 
that fight against Dan Hooker. Like, you know, Hooker was putting a clinic on him by that third round. It was crazy. Um, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to land counter shots on Islam. And I don't think that he's going to be able to avoid the clinch. Like he, you know, if you saw in that Dustin Poirier fight, he's, you know, getting clinched up there and stuff. And Paul Felder as well. So, you know, Islam probably, you know, gets Hooker to the ground at some points and is able to just start, you know, beating on him. But, again, that over, two and a half at minus 160. I don't know if he's going to, if 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 uh, Islam is going to be able to submit him as easily like he did Drew Dober. Uh, because I do think that Hooker is a talented you know, fighter overall and it will be a little bit risk adverse, you know, at certain points on the ground. Um, so I'd be looking at that. Um, yeah, like I said in the beginning of this one, you got to respect Hooker, but the matchup is just, you know, so bad for him. Um, you brought up that he hasn't really ran into many dedicated grapplers, which is true. And the last guy who really was trying to take him down the entire fight, um, uh, might've been Jason Knight, honestly. And Jason Knight, you know, was able to get some takedowns. Uh, Hick Diaz, you know, remember that guy? Um, saying this a fucking long time ago. Yeah, I mean that's how far you have to go back to fight the to see a guy who was real. I mean, he fought Burns, didn't really attempt to takedowns in that fight. But like the last guy who attempted like a high amount of takedowns on Hooker, besides Poirier, was Jason Knight. And um, you know, Hooker got his back taken in that fight a few times. He was you know put in some submissions, some guillotine attempts, and I didn't think that was a great look. Um, and then like you said, him just getting pushed against the cage, taken down by Hooker, especially in the later rounds. Uh, that's not a good look, but he also did throw like 300 strikes in the first round and round or two versus Poirier. So not entirely fair to, you know, point to that example, but still to pick against Islam Mahachev, you would have to have some either incredible knockout power um, or some incredible defensive grappling skills. And Hooker hits hard. He is, uh, you know, a very skilled striker, but just doesn't have that that type of one strike knockout power. The only strike I can see him hitting a one hitter quitter would be that knee up the middle. If he were somehow able to time Islam coming in on a takedown, um, Dan Hooker does have tremendous knees up the middle. But uh, you know, I I I respect Dan, but I also kind of think it's a bad career decision. You brought up the uh, the Nasrat fight. I mean, he just dominated Nasrat coming off a lot of momentum and now he's gambling that all on this, you know, terrible stylistic matchup. But, uh, you know, that's why these guys are fighters. That's why they're trying to be the best in the world, but, uh, you gotta respect Hooker, but just bad matchup for him. And he probably gets it grinded out to, um, probably either around three submission or a, a 30, 27 decision. So you're thinking decision over submission here, right? Ozzy? Yes. Yes, I am. I, I don't know. I, I think, I think Islam could, could get the sub here, and um, Islam did mention Gaethje and Chandler. He's kind of he knows that the uh, that the guy getting the next chance at the winner of Poirier and Oliveira is going to be either Chandler or Gaethje or Islam. And if Islam were to finish, that would you know put him ahead in the. I don't think Islam's the, got that much going on up there, bro. Come on. No, no, he he literally said that on video today, um, or yesterday. Probably he already forgot. Um, do a quick uh, mic reset while I introduce co the co-main event. Um, co-main event, Bantamweight division for the interim Bantamweight championship title. Uh, we have Peter Yan as the favorite, minus 208, taking on Corey Sanhagen, plus 178. A little bit of a short-notice fight, Sanhagen replacing Aljamain Sterling here. 
Um, Sandhagen, of course, coming off of that split decision loss to TJ Dillashaw back in July. Um, and Jan obviously coming off his DQ loss where he lost the title. So uh, you want to start this one off, Ozzy? I'll start off the main event, I guess. Um, yeah, sure. So, you know, really good fight that, you know, has come come together for us here uh, between the guy, Corey Sandhagen. I've always thought that, you know, before I, I had him as the number one guy, you know, on my board overall. So, you know, we're getting a tree here um, in him fighting Jan because it's a fight that potentially, you know, could have happened for a little bit uh, if it wasn't the case. You know, so, you know, I'm assuming we're going to get a stand-up affair for the most part, especially early on. Dan Hagen is a lot more of a rangy style. You know, he's got a wide stance. You know, he, he's looking to kind of uh, catch you with intercepting shots or, you know, throw that jab and stick that out um, and have that be the primary a weapon for him as he sets up more offense, you know, but Jan, I've just been getting so much, I've been gaining respect for him, you know, looking back at his fights down a little bit more, um, looking back at the Sterling fight, you know, if you just go to that uh, most specific one, you know, just the, the, the ferocity he had on some of those, those shots that he was throwing back, the way he would uh, stay in stance as Sterling is, Damn, I'm a little gasped out some like hiccups as Sterling is coming at him with, uh, you know, straight shots and uppercuts and knees and kicks and all those things. It's pretty impressive to me. Um, that was also in that smaller octagon there. Um, and I think once he is a guy that starts getting on the front foot, I do think that he will he poses a lot of problems for Sanhagen. I think his power between his kicks and his punches is is a lot more than I think Sanhagen is has felt a lot like, you know, TJ, I feel was, he looked okay, but I do think that, you know, some of his striking specifically uh, wasn't as sharp. And I do think that Jan is going to be able to put a lot more damage on Corey uh, than, than TJ was be a lot. uh, It'll be a lot easier for him to land as well. I think that Jan is more accurate with his hands. And then if this fight goes into the closer ranges, I know Corey is confident in his jujitsu, but I, I I just haven't seen anything from Jan to have me question his grappling. I think that he's like very very good, a very good grappler. Um, so I think it it would take you know a very very quick transition from Corey to to you know catch him or get top position or you know do something like that. So I'm leaning towards Jan here. Um, the line is coming down. Um, so it's it's not something that I've you know bet on. I know people like the Corey side at plus like two twenty to ten. But if you're betting it now, I think it's I, – I, I just – I don't think that Corey is really uh, going to win this fight, to be honest with you. I just think that Jan's presence is, is too much in there. I think he stays in, in, in good positions and, and puts out good offense from there that, uh, that he's going to win this fight more often than not. So very fun fight, like you said. I'm um, glad we're getting this matchup, the Aljamain rematch. No one was really looking forward to that. And we actually have a much more compelling matchup here. And uh, starting off by just talking about the the pre-fight betting line, Jan minus 208, Sandhagen plus 178. Um, pretty much the same line that the, the Jan Aldo fight was at, too, for what it's worth. Um, I guess I could see the angle behind Sandhagen being the value side pre-fight just because Jan does typically start slow. He likes to make reads, you know, download his opponent's information before he starts really turning up the pressure. And I really could see Corey winning rounds one, possibly even rounds one and two here. But I think he's definitely going to win one of the first two rounds just because 
Corey starts fast. He's going to be pumping out that volume. And Jan doesn't really start to turn it up until round three. The guy is really accustomed to um, fighting those five-round fights. He had a lot of experience pre-UFC. And he's getting some some under his belt here. And uh, it wasn't until the second half of round three versus Aldo where he started to take over. Round three versus Aljamain is when he really started to ramp up the volume. And it almost seemed like deliberate uh, in that all uh, that Aljamain fight that he let Aljamain, you know, have some early success, pump out all that volume, use all that energy. And then round three, uh, Jan was like, all right, now it's time to really get to work. And the fight is starting now. And he just turned up the pressure so high in rounds two, uh, three and four. It was out wrestling, out striking, um, you know, incredible fight. Here's a quick question I'll pose to you, uh, Ozzy. Do you think that Jan proved that he's a better wrestler than Aljamain in that fight? Um, he was a better wrestler that night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to say who has the better, you know, overall grappling. But uh, for you Alger- need that to take sure, sure. down. But for Aljamain to easily take down backpack Corey and to tap him out, and then to see Jan, you know, just toying with Aljamain in the same wrestling grappling exchanges just shows how high level of a grappler Jan is. And, you know, big concern for this fight is Corey Sanhagen's most recent fight against TJ Dillashaw, where TJ was able to get Corey moving on the back foot a lot in that fight with without volume, with just, you know, kind of sheer aggression and walking forward. And... Corey doesn't really stand his ground. He's kind of content to, to backpedal, to, to backtrack and fight on the back foot. And that that's not a good uh, attribute to have against Jan because if Jan gets you moving backwards, I mean, he's going to be chopping you down to the legs, to the body. And then Corey also gave up a lot of um, a lot of body locks in that fight to TJ. He allowed TJ to get close in the clinch to get that body lock. And pretty much any time TJ got his hands clasped in that fight, it was a good... <laughs> it was funny. It was a good right. 60, 90 seconds of control time. As, to go. Soon, as soon as like uh, TJ got even close to Corey, Corey just turned around. He just, yeah, right away. Just, it I was mean, hilarious. I mean, I've, I said that the last fight against uh, when we were – that was actually our first podcast uh, was the Sandhagen TJ card. And, you know, little brag, we both did bet TJ there, you know, so cash, cash those split decision tickets. You won't hear us disagreeing with that decision too heavily. Um, but Corey probably did deserve to win that, to be honest, rewatching it. Uh, whatever, whatever. Yeah, who, who cares? cares? Let's get on to this fight. Um, and then uh, – fuck, uh, I, I messed up my momentum there. Um. Yeah, I mentioned going into that fight that Corey is constantly showing these grappling liabilities, and he showed more liabilities in that TJ fight. I just think this guy isn't a good wrestler, isn't really making big leaps and improvements in the defensive grappling, and especially not after you know three or four months, you know that he's had to prepare for this oh, fight. You know he's he 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 loves Ryan Hall. Extremely loves bad him. look. Extremely bad look. I'm not look. I'm a fan of Ryan's. I've gone. I've trained at his gym a few times. I'm just saying he's a fan. You know, he. I think he's a little loose with some of these defensive techniques. I think those guys like they're you know trying to approach it in a different way. But I don't think that Jan is like the right kind of guy to be. Yeah. You know, giving him, you know, positions where Jan is just he's such a savvy guy himself. You know, for for a guy that's under thirty. But you know, this is his second, right? His second title fight, his third title fight. Third, yeah. Um, yeah, he's just so smart in there that if you're giving him these small opportunities, whether it be for him to rest, for him to, you know, get off easy offense, like you can't be doing that. So I like uh I like I like Jan here. 
Yeah, I like him too. And uh, I think that he's probably going to be a better live bet, though. I think, like I said, Sanhagen is going to start strong round one or two. You're going to get Jan minus 150, minus 130. Uh, look look to fire away on the live bets in, in this fight. And, uh, you know, just terrific fight. I'll be cheering for Peter Jan, one of my favorite fighters. But I like and respect Corey Sanhagen a lot. So this is an amazing matchup. And then that's going to take us to the main event. Another amazing matchup. Um, two old good guys in the sport. We have the challenger, Glover Teixeira, clocking in at 42 years old today. Jan Blahovich, the champion, 38 years old. The betting line right now, Jan Blahovich, minus 275. Glover Teixeira, plus 235. Wow, I'm actually seeing Glover plus 270 on FanDuel. So it seems like some action coming in on Jan Blahovich today. And uh, honestly, Ozzy, I have no idea what your thoughts are on this fight. We haven't really discussed this fight this week. But um, I'll get started with this one. You did the last one. so. Um, I love love and respect both these guys. You know, it's great to see Glover getting his title shot. I didn't think this fight was going to happen. I thought that uh, Adesanya was going to beat Blahovich, and then we would never get to see this this matchup. But I'm, I'm very grateful it ended up Casual. happening. Glover Teixeira, um, you know, definitely earned this title shot. Um, but he also had to go through his fair share of hell and damage to get to where he's at now. He got hurt and, you know, wobbled, arguably knocked out a few times on his recent run. Uh, Roberson had him hurt bad. Kudalaba made him do the chicken dance. Uh, Tiago Santos dropped him twice. Um, and that's really what I'm looking at is the Tiago Santos fight because that fight was about 13 minutes long. They were only really striking with one another for about two minutes of that fight. And in both of those minutes where the fight was standing, uh, Santos absolutely floored Glover, hurting him real bad in round one, kind of made Glover do a face plant, and then he straight up dropped Glover in round three. And Glover has incredible you know, recovery skills. He's able to come back from those knockdowns, but he also kind of shoots those desperation takedown shots. And Tiago Santos, not a great wrestler, wasn't able to defend them, and Glover gets his top game going. But... I think when he gets hurt with the punch here in this fight, which I think is inevitable, I think that Jan Blahovic is just a lot better suited to stuff those takedown attempts, to dig those underhooks, to separate back to range. And the big cage is going to help um, Jan Blahovic with that a lot because, you know, Glover's just going to have less room to trap him against the cage. Um, so I think the distance striking is heavily in favor of Jan Blahovic here. He's a great boxer was going toe-to-toe uh, -to -toe with uh, Israel Adesanya in the striking exchanges. And then he also has great cardio in rounds four and five. He is able to hit those takedowns late in that fight, clinch the uh, the decision victory for him. And I think that uh, Blahovich has the striking advantage, the power advantage, the cardio advantage. Um, I think he's younger. He's got a durability advantage as well. The only advantages I give to Glover are honestly his grappling. And I just don't think his takedowns are, are, are that good. He's getting older. He's getting slower. Ian Kudaleba was able to stuff uh, seven or eight takedowns before eventually getting taken down there. And uh, Glover also had a back and forth competitive fight with um, Krylov in the grappling. You know, who didn't have a competitive grappling fight was Jan Blahovich, who submitted uh, Krylov pretty easily when they fought. So I just think this matchup heavily uh, favors Jan Blahovich. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to go against Glover here because he's such a great underdog. He's made us a lot of money along this run. But I just think he's running into a brick wall here against Blahovich. Blahovich is still steadily improving at age 38. Um, I think he's, you know, the best he's ever been right now. And, um, you know, I'm happy this fight is happening. I just think it's, it's a real bad matchup for Glover. And uh, Glover is probably going to get knocked out. 
in round two or three here. I'll pick a round two knockout uh, for Polish power, Jan Blachowicz here. So, like I said, I have no idea what your thoughts are here, but what do you think about what I just said, Ozzy? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Jan, I guess, you know, uh, a lot of the things point to him uh, because he, you know, has, you know, had a, a really good career resurgence. He has shown some, you know, his technical acumen uh, at distance more, more recently, first of all. Um, in more high-profile fights, um, and he's been getting the job done. You know, he hasn't been choking in the in the big pressure fights, but he is a guy also that you know, if you look back at the Jacare Souza fight, Jacare is able to you know neutralize him both at distance and you know by using the clinch and you know doing all that. I think Luke Rockhold even had a little bit of success as well. Um, you know, before I mean, you know, I'll be just able to to not let Jan you know, be, you know, hunting right from the, from the bell. Um, and then in, I think his last like two or three fights, like, you know, yeah, he, he beat the middleweight champion, but you know, it was a fight where I, I feel, you know, he, he was able to fight to a game plan that was good for him. That was okay for him. You know, in this fight against Glover, I feel that Glover, if he's able to get into the fight is in, in the context of not get stunned early I feel that if these guys start throwing with each other in the pocket, I feel that yes, Glover is less durable and potentially could get, you know, knocked out. But I, tr I feel that he is more likely actually to land on Jan like a big punch than Jan is to land on him. If, if that makes sense, I feel like if Glover lands on Jan, I think it'll, it'll be over because I don't like Jan. He hasn't to me proven his shin as much as like Glover. Yeah, he gets hurt. But this dude somehow comes back. Like, I don't know how he does it. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's going to keep going. But Jan, Shin, you haven't seen it that much. I, Glover, that left hook that he throws, I think that's his, that's his like, best punch, I would say. You know, it's definitely live, I think, to, to land on Jan if they are, you know, really sitting in the pocket. And if they aren't and Jan is not really looking to pressure and looking to you know, I don't know, not pressure, let's just say, if Glover is able to be on the front foot and backing Jan up, I feel he could get a takedown here, and Jan could be in big trouble if he locks his hands on a double leg. So I'm leaning to Glover. I'm hoping to get a good price on him. I haven't bet him yet, which is probably the mistake in the whole thing. But uh, I like him. I think that, you know, I'm going to just keep riding this train. I think that he poses some stylistic problems for uh, Jan. Uh, and then I, I think that if he is able to get this into grappling realms when he's on top, uh, I really like his chances. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people trusting Glover here are kind of, you know, relying on his past experience. They're kind of thinking, oh, he's been such a good dog. He's won as a dog several times in a row. Let's trust him one last his dog. Time. I just I just don't I think his his luck is running up on this fight. He's um, a dog boy. Also, dog. Fandle, Fandle has Glover rounds one, two, three, plus 500. I feel if it gets to round four and five, it's not going to be good uh, for Glover if it gets that long. So I would take uh, Glover inside the distance or that Glover one, two, three, plus 500. Um, definitely not in a rush to, to bet Jan minus 300 or something. This doesn't start round five. What is that? That is minus 182 on Fandle. Shitty odds, man. Um, yeah, okay. don't love yeah. that. Um, but like I said, good good chance that just a few punches from Jan is all this fight takes. And oh. 
if uh, Glover gets if Glover gets on top, I don't even think the Blahovich is going to be in that dangerous of position. John couldn't even knock out a middleweight. He's a bum. Which which one is that? He knocked out the middleweight former middleweight champion. Overrated. Luke Luke Rockhold. Overrated power. Polish power is overrated. Yeah, well, like I said, won't he won't need too much. Uh, I think it's probably going to be a left hook. Glover's going to attempt to take down Blahovich. Is going to shrug him off, and then sort of like the the. The Rockhold fight, it's going to be like a shot on the exit from the clinch that's going to st- send uh, Glover to the floor. On his 0-1-1 in his last two fights against Brazilians. Oh, that's, that's, uh, he's what? 0-1-1. Oh, one one. He didn't, he he beat uh, Jacare. So how is he 0-1-1? Oh, that was a draw, bro. That was not a win. Uh, according to the official record. That was not a real win, dude. There's yeah. no way that's a real win. You know, um, it's not a real win. Also, though, if Thiago Santos steps back after he drops Glover in round three, lets him stand up, lands one more punch, that's probably knockout round three. So, yeah, he, uh, got, he got fucking finished, though, didn't he? Hey, uh, I picked probably Glover. Lost, you probably picked, lost on the juice there. I literally picked Glover by round three submission in in official or well it's uh, a recording in an official recording so uh you can check the fucking receipts on that one bitch smith the glover plus 200 and uh, i had a 77 percent roi last event and you're trying to you're trying to talk shit on me get real bro get back in the profit before you fucking come at me um all right that's enough you could attribute all that money to me literally 15 fights we're down in less than an hour and 20 minutes that's pretty good you know pretty good Literally. for pay-per-view card too give us a fuck uh, if someone's wants to if someone's gonna listen you listen to the whole thing yeah yeah but uh we want to keep it uh somewhat concise um so hope you all enjoyed the podcast hope you all enjoyed these fights we got msg card next week even better card than this one so just a crazy string of back-to-back events and I uh, hope you all enjoy the fights. Make sure you remember it starts early, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. Holy is the first shit. Fight. 2 p.m. P- uh, is the first uh, pay-per-view fight. So make sure you guys Holy remember shit. that. And uh, hope you all enjoy the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Hope you all win some best this weekend. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>